When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host this evening, Gary Cocker, and I am joined by a man who loves a team in green. It's Tony. Hello, Gary. Hello, Tony. And I'm joined by the man who's the king of Kirkcaldy, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. See what I did there? Green King. It's subliminal. It gets in people's heads. <laughs> the people just love it too much. Very good. Anyway, thank Very you. Good. Thank you. Uh, hopefully that will not be the last of my seamless segues tonight. Because I'll be honest with you folks, this is a little bit of a clam jamfrey of a show. Uh, as the big league is no longer in operation thanks to the World Cup, we have had to scrabble around a little bit to pull together something. But we think that, much like Shane Ritchie on Ready Steady Cook in the mid-90s, we've got enough that we can pull together a lovely little meal. So we're going to start tonight by looking at the weekend's Shane action. Ritchie. Shane Ritchie! Shane, Shane Ritchie! Did, he didn't have to prepare meals in Ready Steady Cook. Did you not see that episode? He went to, so I think he went to a service station. Now we're talking about specific episodes of mid-90s. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Right, please carry on. Well, basically, as you know, a celebrity has to go to the shops and they come in with a bag of whatever and the chef goes, right, okay, I'm going to make this into whatever I'm going to make it into. And Shane Ritchie, I think, went to a service station at about four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and he came in with, like, rich tea biscuits, tea bags, an apple... Uh, a loaf of bread and some other bits and bobs and whoever Sounds the like he wasn't was, taking this seriously. He was not taking it seriously. Uh, it was a, a terrific episode. I'm sure you can still find it on YouTube if you like. I don't think you're going to find this episode of the podcast on YouTube, but you never know. Um, no, but, but the thing about Ready City Cook was uh, they, they would supply the chef with whatever it was, four or five ingredients, but then he would he or she would prepare a dish that contained about 28 ingredients. It was all a bit of a, it was all a, bit of a coin. I think Shane Ritchie maybe knew that when he came yeah, into it. He was on to them. Yeah. He <laughs> was what, ahead what of career, his... What career Shane Ritchie's had? He was also... Uh, he was doing EastEnders. Remember, he, remember he did a pop star? He done... Uh, he covered Wham! I'm Your Man. Did, yeah, did he not charity. do that for comic relief? Yeah, yeah. For children and, need. And uh, when I was in sixth year, I performed that in the high school... Uh, talent show, not the Wham version, <laughs> the Shane Ritchie version of, of that song. That is why did, true. Why did you? Why did you specifically pick the Shane Ritchie version? Uh, to game I mean, the system, I, I think. <laughs> get more points to, that way. Um, so yeah, that's what I've done. And, I, and uh, I've done the talent shows every year. So by the end of that, I finished second. But it was almost like I was given a lifetime achievement award. So, so how many people were in it? Uh, oh, there was loads. You had to qualify. I think I qualified. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got qualified through um, doing um, when you say nothing at all by Ronan Keaton. Oh, so uh, wait, so you had so there was there was more strings to your bow. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I won it the first time they ever done it. I won it with uh, Tom Jones Sex Bomb, but in the qualifiers, <laughs> in the qualifiers, I done it. I done uh, Mama told me not to come, so kept the Tom Jones theme. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I changed the songs and went more sexual in uh, 
the, the in the final to, to that was when I was in a uh, second year, and then the year after that I got booed off stage because like people had got a bit sick of me. But that, that, that's and me and Fowler once done um, Justin Timberlake and Nelly, and Fowler had a plaster on his face, and, uh, and, and <laughs> I'm not work it. This is not. This is not. This is all completely true. Um, <laughs> And we, but that, that was sort of like me coming back. That was my comeback. Right. Uh, 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 so it was a long time in school. Well, Elvis, are there pictures, Tony? <clears throat> um, I'm sure there will, will be. I'll speak to Fowler. I'll speak to people that went to high school with. Chris won the last year because that was when he actually started playing guitar and finally someone with actual talent went on the, the stage and, and done it's something. It's not what it was there for. No, it definitely wasn't, but... There you go. None the rest. I, 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 I like the fact that you said that in second year you made it very sexual. <laughs> no, that, that was the final. I made it sexier in the final by going for sex bomb. Uh, so why were, you, why were you booed in third year? Were you not, not sexy enough? Not no, sexual <laughs> enough? I think people just got sick of me uh, and my attitude, <laughs> uh, possibly, uh, over the course. And people... Uh, yeah, they, they like it's just common culture here. They build you up, Sean, and then they just want to knock you down. And that, Tall and poppy what, syndrome. That, 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 and that's what happened to me at high school. So um, yeah, you know, sorry, you know exactly what somebody like like people like Gaza went through. It's like building <laughs> Tony and Gaza just getting built up and then, and uh, then knocked off their pedestal for no reason uh, whatsoever. It's ridiculous. I, I felt so sorry for Beckham when he got sent off in the World Cup for kicking. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was absolutely brutal. Uh, but well, yeah, that, 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 that could be a whole podcast in itself, my uh, my singing career at high school. That's competitions for you, Tony. Mm. And, I mean, there was another big competition this weekend, maybe not quite as big as the uh, the Augies talent show <laughs> in the early to mid-2000s. But it was the Scottish Cup third round, um, and there were a couple of... <clears throat> Surprises, I suppose you could say, Sean. Um, or would I, you, uh, would you no, bash I mean, them as surprises? Oh, I totally. So I, I thought it was some really big surprises. Uh, I, I I sat here and confidently predicted last week that there would probably be no no surprises at the Scottish Cup. I, I was struggling to see where where the shock would come from. I, I thought if there was going to be one, it would be at Coatbridge. I thought Stirling Uni had a chance against Albion Rovers. Uh, I I did not fancy Drumchapel to be Edinburgh at all. I didn't think that Darvel had much hope against uh, uh, against Montrose. And yeah, I mean, especially especially the the Drumchapel result. I I haven't seen Craig Anderson mention it, and, and, and until somebody like Craig Anderson confirms it, I'm I'm always wary of believing it. But I believe in terms of, or I, I saw it, I saw it on Twitter that in terms of league placings. It's it's kind of like technically the biggest ever Scottish Cup shock in terms of uh, placings because you've got Edinburgh who are who are doing pretty well uh, in League One and then Drumchapel are in the it's the second tier of the West of Scotland League I believe uh, not even I'd, the I'd, top I'd, tier of the West of Scotland I'd, I mean Come in fairness Edinburgh. In fairness, they're, they're doing pretty well. I, I think if they win their games in hand, they'll be there or thereabouts for being uh, for, for challenging for promotion. And I, I, from what I read, they have a squad that is that is particularly good for that level, and they they will be one of the favourites to, to to get promoted this season. But see, just in terms of especially the the Albion over Stirling Uni game and the Drumchapel Edinburgh game, it's the celebrations at full time. I actually had to go scrabbling, scrabbling around for the drum chapel celebrations, but you know how, uh, in the it's not only just the World Cup where you see the bench sprinting onto the park, and uh, mm -hmm. it's very much just the World Cup where you see substitutes running on to celebrate a goal. I, I get that, but in both those games, just everybody, the full bench, the squad, the management team, they're sprinting on the park and you can see how much it means to everybody involved at the club. To, to even get to, to that round for them is an achievement. To get even further and to put out a, a, a far higher, uh, a, a club that's far higher in the, in the pyramid than they are, you can see what it means to them. And I, I, love, the, I love the Drum Chapel game in particular. The fact that they played at Mary Hill, which is, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it in terms of how it looks. It is an unusual stadium and it, like one of the stands behind the goals I, I presume 
that there is graffiti on the building behind the stadium. But I could be wrong. It might actually be that the wall is inside the stadium. But every single side of the stadium is completely different. Like the pitch was an absolute bog. Drum Chapel were excellent, incidentally. Edinburgh put them under a pressure uh, late on. But at full time with the the Drum Chapel players celebrating, the full squads on the park, and then somebody's letting off fireworks uh, right <laughs> next to the stadium. It's just it, it's absolutely brilliant. And and from a although I thought the draw had been interesting, I, I didn't anticipate. Listen, you thought maybe one or two surprises would would come out, but to have three pretty pretty big shocks, I, I, th- I thought it was an excellent round, to be honest. And Drum Chapel maybe not. They've maybe not got the reward that they were hoping for. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, so politely. Listen, I, I, by no stretch of the imagination, am I uh, taking it for granted that Wraith Rovers will get through against Linlithgow Rose. I remember going there in, what year was it? 2000 and, oh, geez, oh, 2013, 2014. Linlithgow should have won. They were better than us on the day. David McGurn had an excellent game and Wraith won it late on with a couple of goals. However... If we can get through against Linlithgow, I want us to play the winners of Drum Chapel versus Elgin in the next round. And I've already set my set my sights on Wraith somehow getting to the semi-finals without playing a full-time team. I don't think that's too much to ask for. And it could it happen. Could be done. Just look at the World Cup bracket. It's everything's <laughs> fallen to pieces these days. Scott, so Sean has a I'm picturing you with a Scottish Cup wall chart by the sun on you. <laughs> Your wall. The last time, the last time I had a, a Scottish, uh, a Scottish tournament uh, wall chart with brackets was last season's Challenge Cup, when I was uh, just plotting Wraith Rovers' uh, progress to the final, which which obviously happened, and we, and we did win it. This is on the side, but do you remember? I can't remember which magazine it was, but it was a magazine where you got each football team's name and you could move them up and down. Uh, so like so a ladder. The, those were League Ladders, Gary, and yep. they were available uh, with both Shoot Magazine and Match Magazine, and you better believe I had them on my wall. Yep. There is actually, there's a pub in Dundee, uh, Fruz, which has a match ball for each team in the top tier, and they have them arranged above the bar in order of where they are in the league at that moment. Oh, that's so cool. it's like a sort of like a, a grown-ups version of the League Ladder. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Dundee can have a football in there soon. They do. It's just dusty. It keeps going in and out of the uh, the back room repeatedly. Um, since you mentioned uh, my specialist subject, Dundee, <coughs> Dundee, I think we're slightly fortunate to get through against Airdrie. Uh, I think that was the uh, potentially most embarrassing uh, result that could have come out of it. Um, the, it being two all at full time, Dundee benefiting from Airdrie going down to ten men. Um, Dundee also managing to break Craig Anderson's spreadsheets because Dundee had seven substitutes uh, in a game, I think, for the first time in Scottish Cup history as a result of five subs in normal time, a sub in extra time, and Ian Lawler um, managed to crack his head against a post uh, in uh, a scramble to stop us going 3-2 down at one point. Um, So that was a slight relief for me. And it's quite nice to see in the next round that it's exactly, I think, what I was hoping for, which was not a tie that I would be absolutely embarrassed if we went out, but also a tie that I have some vague hope with, uh, a way to St Mirren. Um, you know, it's, well, what it's not, way uh, to think? <laughs> the perfect Tony. type of tie where we won't lose embarrassingly and we might not win. Sure, you just want... I look for ties that we want to win. That's my, my number one thing. Yeah, but Tony, I have gone through many, many years of watching Dundee in the Scottish Cup. Um, none more terrifying than that game against Bonnie Rig a few years back. Oh, yeah. Genuinely, <laughs> that was awful. I was hiding behind my sofa for that one. Um, so, yes, we've got a, an away tie to St Mirren, which is fairly doable. Of course, your team, Tony, has um, the probably the pick of the fourth round, which is the very first side that was drawn out of the hat. Hearts versus Hibs. How are you feeling about another Edinburgh so derby? fucking shite. It was like... <laughs> no, but just that I was looking at the, the third round, the, the draw, and I was like, wow, there's so many, like, cool teams that I would normally get to to maybe go and see a game. And then I was looking at, like, the teams that went through. I'm like, oh, we could get Sutton really... Really could be fun to go and... Lie. I mean, there's teams that I've never even heard of before. Hill of Beef Hawthorne. I know they went out, but it was like, right, this is what this is what we're talking about. Fun track. I could be going to Linlithgow. Um, I could be going 
to, I mean, former team were playing Stenhouse Muir. I was getting excited about that one. That's a real long one. Drum Chapel. I mean, we got Aberdeen have managed to get Darvo. You know, I mean, these are like once in a lifetime sort of games and trips. And then you just get fucking hearts in the cup again, which <laughs> happens all the time. And then not just that, it's like not in a good time for Hibs to be getting hearts. I mean, for, for if you're Lee Johnson, you must be really panicking because... It's going to be hard enough for him to get through the block of next four games. But if he's somehow able to get a result maybe against Livingston and then something at Tynecastle, there's still a man, there's still a sacking in the post uh, because there's a game at the end of the month that could piss everyone off at Easter Road there. So it's just before I think getting the derbies, I mean, I think it was for 100 years, there was 10 maybe. So that we only played like once or twice in 100 years. In the Scottish Cup, and now we've paid like ten times in the last twelve years, or or something like that. So it sort of loses its magic uh, when, when that happened. Like I said, I was really excited about maybe some sort of fun trip that I could go on, but instead I've just reached the road and watch the worst derby in the world and one that we normally lose. You'll never seen that if Again. you win, Tony. You'll never seen that if you win. Uh, I will never say that, and obviously I'll go. I got my ticket for Tynecastle the other day as well, despite the fact that. Everything that could possibly go wrong at Hibs is, is kind of happening now, including our main forward becoming a vibesman for Australia, um, and then we'll be coming back to play. Um, so, but what can you do? What can you do? But it could be more fun, in my opinion. And I did. Uh, I did like the fact that, if, referring back to the Dundee Airdrie game, that, that Cami Ballantyne got his, I think it's his fifth red card in a season and a half. I mean, that's, that's impressive. I, and I think if you go back a bit further, he's had like seven in about two years. Uh, I mean, bear in mind, I he's always been regarded as one of the best uh, kind of part-time fullbacks, and never really been known for his unless it's unless it's very much went under the radar. Uh, so to to suddenly be somebody who turns the dirtiest player and, in the country, uh, it becomes a, a dirty a dirty liability. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's very very funny. And and to be fair, we've not even mentioned the the highlight of the Scottish Cup. For me, certainly, perhaps perhaps not yourselves. Uh, but for me, the highlight of the Scottish Cup, it was nothing to do with shocks. It was nothing to do with the draw. It was the the guys on the Falkirk Daft podcast uh, when they were asked, <clears throat> they must have recorded a podcast before the fourth round draw. And they were talking about who they wanted in the next round. And one of them said that they wanted Stennis Muir. And the reason that they wanted Stenny in the next round was because, and I quote, that wee prick Craig Telfer from uh, Aviv <laughs> Terrace, because they are they're totally fed up with him. And I, I just think myself, imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine being so rattled uh, by four absolute bojos uh, on a Friday night that, that that's uh, that that's what you have. That's what you're thinking about for your Scottish Cup run. Is that you have to go to a shit place like Thedos Muir because you're so desperate to get up Telfer. <laughs> And of course, them saying that will definitely make Telford uh, calm down about his, uh, <laughs> yeah. his Falkirk scenarios. <laughs> He's got them exactly where he wants them. Um, just before we move on from the Scottish Cup, I think the one other result we should probably pick up on is, is this the shock of the round, Darville beating Montrose 5-2 at home? I know that obviously Montrose had a pretty shit result uh, the week I before that at the Queen of the South, but... Generally speaking, they're they're still in and about the the playoff <coughs> spots in League One. Um, Darvel for all of the investment are still Darvel going to Links Park. You wouldn't expect them to be. I think that at one point they were four one down. I was um, wanting to I, just I, after half time. What I want to sort of like ask Sean. I don't know the context for a lot of this. So like for 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 Montrose and for Edinburgh, are we talking like these? Being like some of the worst results in their entire history. Uh, for Edinburgh, since they came into the SPFL, this is the worst result by a mile. Well, yeah. Well, well say a lift up my head. I've, I've not really looked in yet. In terms of Montrose, I, I, I was reading actually they, they have a particularly poor Scottish Cup record in recent years, which again I hadn't really noticed, or if I had noticed, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten all about it. But certainly in terms of how dismissive their defeat was to, to Darville at the weekend. I mean, I Montrose missed chances. Don't get me wrong, but Darville missed a couple as well. And I know, I know Darville have a squad that is that is reasonably good. So you look at that midfield, like Ian McShane's in there. 
like 29 a, a decent player uh, Thomas Riley's still there 28 again a player that, that could be at a, a higher level and uh, Sterling has, has been a kind of lower league stalwart in recent years still only 32 he scored uh, Ross now who was that Hibs his name is it Ross Caldwell that was on Hibs books for yeah, a while yeah. and then it was uh, no, a and kind of and kind of, yeah, kind of dribbled down the leagues. Scored, uh, scored a winner at Tynecastle. Yeah, uh, Ross Meakin is, was was there as well. So yes, Darvel have a Darvel have a decent squad. There's, there's no two ways about it. Montrose were weakened by the fact that some of the loan players weren't able to play. And and again, if you're a lower league club who is kind of reliant on on loan signings each season, as Montrose kind of tend to be, then then that weakens them when it comes to the cup competitions. If they're not allowed to play. And I think their biggest concern is the fact that uh, Sean Dillon didn't play on uh, on Saturday. And even though he's 39, and even though this must be either his last season or his second last season, who knows, but they still seem to go to pieces when, when Dillon isn't there. And, and that very much seemed to be the case. Uh, the weekend, their, their defending was dreadful. Uh, and that, that ultimately cost them. So I, I, I didn't see that result coming. And, and, and even, even with the, the kind of comparable squads, I, I, I still thought Montrose would have had enough, but but wasn't to be. And certainly on the day, Darvel Darvel merited their, their place in the next round. Don't think it's Montrose's worst result, to be honest, but it, it was a bad one, no doubt about it. Looking through some of the other ties, um, I think James McFadden said that uh, when asked about Motherwell's tie uh, against our broth, he said, "Well, that's you know, Gayfield's <laughs> always a difficult place to go. Um, you know, that will be a really tough game for Motherwell. Uh, our broth have." got the grand total of six points from eight games at home this season's championship team so admittedly it will be January weather but I'm pretty sure Motherwell should be okay there um, an, you... absolutely, an absolutely honking Hibs team went there <coughs> last season when they barely won a game the whole season and won comfortably and that was when our both were flying and trying to get promoted so our both are shit club <laughs> compared to Motherwell no offence it was a great day one of the most enjoyable away fan experiences I've ever had but in terms of ability against these sides no they're, they're not they're going to really struggle um, I think a tie that will be really interesting will be Partick Thistle playing Dunfermline obviously Dunfermline flying high at the moment James McPake is on his second well second manager of a specified time period <laughs> award because uh, they combine September and October right. um, but obviously yeah, Dunfermline are begin to, to make great guns. Thistle are both on and off the pitch, um, not looking terrific just now. Um, so that's maybe one that uh, some of your fellow fifers will be excited by, Sean, but I'm guessing that your hope slash expectation will be that Thistle will overcome McPake's men. I hope, uh, I hope Patrick Thistle fucking gub them. <laughs> that's the sort of partisan comment I was looking for. Thank you. And uh, I think the other notable tie if only for the pre-match story and Greenock Morton managing to punt some merchandise off the back of it, is Celtic playing Greenock Morton um, and Duke Emery posing uh, with a t-shirt with his uh, winning penalty. Nothing he can't do, Duke Emery. No. Manager. Um, the front oh. of the t-shirts, brilliant stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, another uh, tie that is taking place in the fourth round will be St. Johnson playing... Mr. Beale's Rangers side, since I think we uh, last joined you, Rangers have disposed of the services of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, and um, like all too many people across this country, they've gone back to what they thought served them well before, uh, and they have brought back CVG's assistant. Um, is it fair to say that reaction to this news has been mixed? Absolutely, but you'll have everyone on side now because apparently the players are going to wear suits to the games oh so, don't get me started on that <laughs> I mean I, I don't know if that's him I, I, I always I'm, I'm always wary about stuff like this because he makes a decision at the club it's not that he's trying to flaunt it to the media and then someone goes to the media and it makes it all look a bit like make, it makes everyone look a bit silly because he like he's, like he's putting major importance on that and that he's trying to get the fans on side almost that's how that feels but I don't want to make that call because I don't know if that's actually true anyone could have sort of leaked that out that's nothing to do with Beal but um, yeah I mean it's just it's nearly impossible to really figure out how Beal's going to do it's it, it's quite a it's quite a 
it's, it's a, certainly a, it's a bit of a left field appointment, even though it was always mooted from basically the word go. It's the it's the least it's the least surprising surprising appointment. Yeah, ever. yeah, 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 yeah. Because although he has like there's like a kind of small uh, sample size of how good a manager Michael Beale is, but he's been linked to it. Like actually, almost before, well, actually, literally mm. since before, uh, Van Bronckhorst was was huckled out the door. I, he, out, he was at one of the games, wasn't he? Watching. Aye, that was that was a strange thing. That was a strange mm. thing. I, so I, I, I'm I'm kind of flip flopping between whether I think he'll be good or whether whether I think he'll be poor. I I, I think I, I went on a I went on a QPR uh, forum uh, earlier, and they they seemed pretty sorry to to see him go. They they were very. They were very upset at, at how he left in terms of it he said something after the wolves the loyalty uh, and everyone's with me yeah. uh, how can i I've, I've asked everyone to go uh, with me so I'm how can i be the first to jump ship yeah, or something totally. like that yeah um so he's he was actually speaking in code i am very loyal and just nobody picked up on it <laughs> <still don't> talk, <laughs> really. but 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 the interesting thing was qpr fans were were dismissive of him because of that but they all seemed reasonably sorry to, to, to see him go. Like they, they seemed like pretty annoyed. And even though he hadn't been there uh, a long period of time, the suggestion seemed to be that there was uh, signs of recovery in terms of his uh, his tenure in charge. And I think I think what he has to his advantage. And although I'm I'm not I'm not sure how big a success he'll be. I, I think there's there's fairly basic things that a, a half decent manager could. Could turn around at Rangers, and there seems to be, uh, for what I gather, an issue in terms of fitness, an issue in terms of how thorough their training is, and how thorough the, the players feel their their fitness levels are. Uh, I, I think you look at things that have went on under Bronckhurst's tenure. They start games poorly. They tend to concede the first goal. He, because of that, he then has made a huge amount of substitutions at half time. Which I don't think goes down particularly well with with players. I don't think he he necessarily got good buy-in from the squad because of that, and maybe because of his people skills. I, I, I don't know as well. I, I, I thought he came across okay, but but maybe maybe that wasn't the case behind the scenes. So I think if uh, even if Bill has something about him, you know. no, exactly. Uh, but I think if even if Bill has something about him, then he can go in there and make reasonably decent strides. Uh, which will make a difference. And although nine points, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't expect Rangers to, to be able to win the league this season, but it, it doesn't mean that they can't. Did you remember when, like, towards, like, maybe the midpoint of Gerrard's tenure, and suddenly uh, they got a couple of wins against Celtic in consecutive yep. games, mm -hmm. I think, and suddenly that kind of normalised. Like, so Rangers beating Celtic was now, was now starting to become the norm, and it laid down a bit of a marker. And even if Beale can't win the league this season, and I, I presume that'll be the case, but who knows, even if just getting a couple of wins against Celtic lays down a marker for going into the next season. And as much as I'm not sure about him, uh, I, I still think he can he can make a, a positive impact this, this term because this team, like it feels like there's... There's kind of easy wins, I suppose, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I think I, I, I agree, Sean. <clears throat> is I think that the main thing that'll be what we find out about Beal is in the summer. I think he's got an easy, he's got an open goal here coming back simply because a lot of these players were unhappy. But that's what mm -hmm. we're going to take from under Van Bronckhorst. And he's a hugely popular figure with a large amount of these players. These are players that he was involved in bringing in the club. He coached and won a league together. They will have, uh, they'll have a pretty strong bond together. So I'm not worried about this period from a Rangers perspective. I think they will easily improve. The fans will get on board because obviously he's got huge credit in the bank for what he achieved previously. So I think they'll have a, a big uplift and, and he wants to play sort of quite bombastic football going by what he's saying and, and that that's all going to work. The difference is we've never really seen him as a manager have to build a team. I know he done it along with Jer, but with him by himself. So that's where we're going to, they're going to need a huge rebuild in the in the summer. Rangers, so it's going to be really interesting to see how he does that. In terms of other things that go his way, in the circumstance, it might just be consequential, but Gerard's career's nosedived without him. So that 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 lends itself to the idea that 
Gerard needed him, and he was maybe the brains behind the operation. And even though he did have a little downturn at QPR, I don't think they spent a huge amount of money. I think he was stuck with quite a, a weak squad by what a lot of uh, people's ideas down there, from their perspective. It was, and he was getting a tune out of them because of how good his coaching skills are. So I think, as I said, it's it's very easy, and we've seen it when, when Gary says mixed. We've seen everyone... There's there's easy, it's low-hanging fruit for both sides to come up with reasons why it'll either work or it won't work. So I think it'll be quite an interesting appointment to see how that goes, even if it's just seeing people who, who in the media look stupid again. Uh, oh, I think one of the reasons it's mixed is just because of the sheer number of Rangers supporters, you're going to get some absolutely bark-mad suggestions. So I think my favourite one was, I think somebody on Follow Follow suggested that the club <laughs> should try to persuade uh, Bobby Firmino... <laughs> Yeah, to, yeah. to to hang up the boots and come up north and manage Rangers. Um, no idea if Roberto Firmino wants to do that. If he even wants to do it, he wants to do it. Currently for playing Rangers. for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, currently. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think the argument was. I think he's our top goal scorer this season. <laughs> yeah, I think the argument was. Oh well, he, he didn't make the Brazil squad. Oh yeah. So he tried <laughs> As to if that's... just flush away my entire career. I'm coming to manage Rangers. <laughs> Insane stuff. It's absolutely insane. Uh, it's interesting as well that if I'm a Rangers fan, you ever look and think, right, the QPR, they've lost the manager, he's done the dirty on them. Have they been pissing on strips and setting fires to Michael Beale sort of cardboard cutouts? <laughs> Even though he's all the things he said. Uh, unique fan base. It's a unique fan base. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, looking through the QPR squad, he, I mean, he wasn't manager long enough that. You would imagine there would be anybody he would tempt up, but there's quite a few names in there that uh, Scottish football fans will recognise. Obviously, Lyndon Dykes uh, is at QPR at the moment. Um, whether he's, a, he would... he's apparently a really big fan of Lyndon Dykes, is what Craig Anderson told yeah. me, and I just whatever Craig Anderson tells me, I just take it as is apt. Oh I yeah, check it, anything. <laughs> it, I was going to say it's the safest thing to do, but it's also the most dangerous thing to do. Uh, yeah. He he could really lead us all down the garden path. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I mean, obviously, a lot of this is qualified on the the back of you know QPR could still legitimately end up promoted to the Premier League, um, and I don't think anyone if, if Bobby Firmino's not leaving the Premier League to go and manage Rangers, you're probably not going to get any of these guys. Um, but you've got Jordan Archer. Uh, he of um, one day he will be. Uh, Wait a minute, a does Jordan star. Archer play and go for QPR? No, he doesn't. He is kept uh, on the bench <laughs> by, and you will love this, Sean. You may or may not remember when Jim McIntyre was Dundee manager, he brought in Senny Dieng on loan yes. mm -hmm. as keeper. He's uh, QPR's number one, and he's also in the Senegal uh, squad. But now I understand how QPR aren't in the playoff positions. Yes. Well, I mean, this um, guy's had an upturn in his career. He's playing at, <laughs> he's at the World Cup and he's the number one of that team yep. vying for the playoffs in the championship. Yep. And uh, Leon Balogun uh, is at QPR as well. And this, I saw Rangers. today that Could people are worried about him yeah, going back. Um, well, I Rangers know, I mean, Ranger, Rangers, I don't know. Like, their, their central defence has been such an issue right now that it looks at Leon Balogun was an absolutely huge miss. Because uh, yeah. Leon Balogun was good for Rangers overall. How, I've how heard he's he not leaving unless Jordan Henderson goes to Rangers to become assistant manager. Incidentally, <laughs> 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 Lyndon Dykes would be a terrible signing for Rangers. Ah, it would never yes. work. It's just like I mean, a team that plays on the front foot, who create loads of chances, who don't need his bulldog approach. Uh, so all all his sort of plus points are just not needed at a Rangers team in the Scottish Premiership. And then all these weaknesses would get shown up massively. <laughs> so fingers... It's one of those, I don't want it because I like him for Scotland. I like the way he plays. He's perfect as a sort of backup striker, impact player. Uh, but it's also funny if he goes to Rangers and he's just rubbish. Uh, he's, he's basically a, a kind of giant, baldy, scrappy do. And that's not, <laughs> what, like, that's not what Rangers... That's not what Rangers need. Yeah. <laughs> also, it'd, it'd, like, it'd be expensive as well. So yeah. I, I can't imagine he'll, uh, he'll rock up at Ibrox. Uh, but uh, funny if he did. One player who would be significantly less expensive would be Ryan Porches. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry to bring this up, Tony. Uh, and I hope you'll admire that segue. Uh, Ryan Porches uh, has recently been announced by Hibs, will not be signing a new contract. And at the moment, there are a host of. English Championship clubs, I think Stoke and Sheffield United are the two mentioned along with both Celtic and Rangers as likely destinations. 
um, Tony, I don't think this, I, I don't mean the clubs, I mean his not signing a new contract is not really a surprise to the hip support, is it? Because it's this has been going on so long that you just knew it was going to end in tears. In ex- yeah, in this exact vibe. But as I've always said, Ryan Porteous is a thug. Uh, and, he, and, he's, <laughs> he's complete, and he's rubbish. Um, so he's no good. <laughs> he's never he's never been good. At you. I've nah, never said that be, in my in my long times watching him. You'll be, be Queen of the South in a couple of years. That's what <laughs> yeah, you've always, that's what you've always you. thought. Yeah, always, always. He reeks of Palmerston Park. Um, but um, no, but Ryan Porteous. I think the only way that we maybe when he got that extra year out of him or maybe him signing a year or two year deal was if Hibs were, were performing really well and he would maybe want to see through the season because Hibs are challenging for, for third and maybe cups and maybe European football so there'd be something that would go but with that not happening why why would he just keep stalling his career to be in mid-table or relegation fights at a club he's been at for a long time, whether he's a... Do you, he's even, a, do you even think that if, if Hibs were challenging for third this season, they would stick about? I, I don't. I, I, I think I think Hibs... If Hibs were challenging for third, I don't think Hibs would have sold them, would be selling them in January. I think they would have kept them on uh, to, to try and achieve what they would. So I think Porteous would be... If Hibs were doing well, I think Porteous would be seen out this season. But the fact right. that he has... Announced the fact that the club's come out and announced that he's not signed a new deal is, by all intents and purposes, putting him on the transfer list. It's only done for one reason to alert clubs to come and get him and to start making offers. Uh, Lee Johnson says he will be used, which is which is fair enough. Uh, going into it, I, Ryan Porter doesn't strike me as the kind of player that would down tools at all. It helps. He, he, he plays too much with his heart and his sleeve, so I, I don't have any problem. In, in turn with him doing that I just thought that I had a feeling that Hibs were just going to park him and then go for it but the way Lee Johnson's speaking is that he will be playing until he leaves um, but I would heavily presume uh, at best his last game in a Hibs jersey will probably be Tynecastle would be my guess um, and fingers crossed he, he does something mental just for memories for everyone to Remember him by. So, so do you Unless he's going to get played on the wing as Boyle's replacement. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's another reason why I think Hibs are looking to sell him as well. <clears throat> like they've, they need to drum up some cash because of what's happened to Martin Boyle and they need to maybe... There's holes in the squad and he's a sellable asset that's going to be leaving anyway. So they're probably thinking we, we, we need to just go ahead and do that. But sorry, Sean, on you go. Did, so, so I suppose there's a, there's a couple of questions. So, what I was, so before you made that point, I was going to say... Who do you blame for this? And if, it, if, if blame can be attached anywhere. But then I suppose the second point, based on what you just mentioned, is it, like you're saying they could cash in, but they're not going to be able to cash in to any degree whatsoever, the fact that they've announced his availability. Yeah. I'm, like, what they, like what are they going to get from him? 150 grand, if that? I, I think they would get more than that for, for Ryan Porteous, just based on the Scotland performance. Is there any blame attached anywhere? in terms of the fact that Porteous is either going to leave for very little money or no money, and B, do you honestly think that Hibs will be able to attract an, a, a big enough transfer deal that would entice them to sell in January? Because obviously there is there is a, a, a big difference in terms of uh, where you finish in the, in the Premiership. So uh, I'm not entirely sure it's, it's necessarily value for money, letting them go in January. Um, well, I think it, the club must be, I would imagine, if they've announced it, I'm imagining they've been alerted to there being quite a lot of competition for his signature. That would be my guess. I'm not saying that's true. I, maybe that would maybe be their perception. Um, so they maybe think that they could get, not a bidding war, but clubs would maybe want to get ahead of the game to try and get them in and get it done in January. So they might be able to still be able to make, I don't know, three, four hundred thousand out of Ryan Porteous. Uh, which would be a decent amount of money for Hibs to try and obviously to negate the issues that the, the Boyle's injury and the fact Hibs have holes in their squad and like you say that Porteous is going to be no doubt leaving at the end of the season. That would be my instinct with this, but I I, I agree with you. But it, again, it's just all about how many clubs are interested and do they want to get ahead of the game? Is there foreign clubs that be interested? I'd love to see them go abroad. I think it'd be absolutely great for them to go and do it not that you were asking that question I'm just now musing about Ryan Porteous but um, but yeah I, I do think there could be enough to make it worth Hibs well I do I do think he's got enough there and that performance in a Scotland jersey is, is a, a big reason for that 
And if there's already a few clubs interested, they could maybe get a, they could maybe between 300 and 500,000. I do think they could get that. What about... So, where, where did, if he was to go down south, like, do you think Heckenbottom is, is a big enough fan for him to go to something like Sheffield United? Which might mean that he is in the Premiership next season. Yeah, I mean, then that would be fucking great. <laughs> I think that would be just the most <laughs> box office thing. Going Ryan Porches instantly parachuted into the English Premiership. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, Heckingbottom's time at Hibs was a time that I, I didn't live in Scotland. So, I, I, I could never... I, you lose that ability to gauge how everyone's thinking and how everyone's feeling when you're when you're watching it from, from afar. Um, but... It's always, I've always felt the case that every manager's really, really rated Porteous. And even when, and that you can tell that by, even when he makes the mistakes, even when there's disciplinary issues, it's always swept away because people have so much faith in, in, in his ability and, and so all the attributes that, that he has, because he does, he's got absolutely everything in his locker. I, I'll use an example, Scott McKenna from what he's achieving now compared to what Port Portis has loads more to his game than Scott McKenna did at the time that he was leaving Aberdeen and his careers went like when zoomed right up and he's had some great performances at that level so I think that might help as well in terms of getting people who to have faith in him because they've seen what other players can do that have come up from, from a similar position with a similar background so I could see, I, I think Ryan Fortress could easily still go down there and, and be a quite a big success, yeah, and clubs will be interested in him. And that would obviously help Ryan Fortress keep his place in the Scotland squad. <laughs> Gee, Scotland squads. What feature do we often do with Scotland squads? That's right, we do uh, the top 50 memorable Scotland games, and yes, dear listener, it is somehow still going, but don't worry, we're near the end, we're number Thank two. Thank God. And it is one that, unless you're a very precocious child, you should remember. Uh, it is June the 10th, 2017, and it was oh so nearly, oh so nearly for Scotland. But they had to put a former Dundee United man in the squad to ruin it for all of us. Scotland 2, England 2. So obviously this was the uh, the game with Lee Griffith's um, identical free kicks, which Joe Hart didn't learn the lesson from the first time round. Um, I'm guessing, Sean, at least you would have been at the game. I, so we've not done I, we've not done we've not done the music or the films. And that's I, something that, get, I mean, come on. Tony, have you done it? Of course I have. I I can tell you that Chris Cornell died the previous month. And <laughs> that was his that was his father. If if Sean can set the scene for us a little bit more, I will make sure that I'm able to tell you which. No, I think Tony's got them. I've got them. After you, um, after you I think uh, the number one movie by one day, next day it changes. By this point, it was the remake of uh, Baywatch. Um, oh. oh, awful. With Dwayne Johnson. Um, let me see. Wonder Woman replaced it. Uh, better. Was it all so rubbish? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't watch no. those types of films. No, but... the, the first... Uh, the first... Uh, Wonder Woman film was okay. The second Wonder Woman film, Wonder Woman 1984, uh, less impressive. Okay, okay. I was going to watch it once uh, on a boat in New Zealand from the South Island to the North Island. It was on then because I was living there and I was on a boat over, but they just crammed us on and there was like a storm and I was on a couch. I was about to go in and I literally got flown to the other side of the, the boat and there was water coming up above the windows that you could see at the side. So... And I was hungover as fuck. So like the last thing I, 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 I was like sharing, it was probably one of the, the scariest experiences of my life. But everyone else thought it was just absolutely fine. So I never bothered with Wonder Woman that time, and that scarred me. So I'm never going to do it again. The number one I, song. I, I, mean, right I, 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 I wouldn't pay much attention to any film if, if I thought I was on the road. <laughs> Exactly. I was away the road. <laughs> exactly. I thought there's no point in me going into that small theatre to watch Wonder Woman. I'm going to concentrate. A, it, I, mean, I was even with Mandy. I was like, I'll just spend time with these workmates that I've got. It's not even like a short film. Like, if you think, like, <laughs> this boat this boat only has two hours of float left <laughs> and Wonder Woman lasts an hour and a half, then yeah. fair enough. But no, it's a reasonably long film. Uh, and the song is one that I think everyone will be aware of. Uh, Daddy Yankee with Justin Bieber. Uh, Despacito. Oh, God, that was everywhere. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a real earworm, uh, and bad one at that. But yeah, that yeah. was, and I noticed it was in the UK, the US, and on the Billboard charts in other countries. It was number one, absolutely everywhere. Did you like that song, Sean? Uh, do you know something? I, I I only listen to my own Spotify, so probably haven't listened to a new song in about but, seven years. Well, right, so just missed off the cut because it was five years ago. <laughs> you tell me you've not heard the uh, Despacito. You must maybe, have heard That's a real maybe. treat for the listeners to get to see those maybe. talent competitions. Uh, <laughs> I should have done maybe. just the Bieber at high school. Maybe, maybe twice. Maybe yeah. Maybe I heard it twice. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Back to the football, eh? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to talk about Justin Bieber. Yeah. Well, we, we can speak about the first 90 plus three minutes of the game, certainly, at least. Um, and then just absolutely tear Stuart Armstrong a new one. For the rest of it, uh, it's probably fair to say that the the opening hour, at least of the game, was pretty unremarkable. Sean, there was everything was just packed into those final. It was. I, I don't think it was even the final half an hour. It was a little bit less than that. It was both one of the dullest uh, Scotland England games of all time, and somehow um, one of the most exciting. So, I, wa- I watched about the highlights earlier. There's not a lot of highlights in the first half. I mean, I, I was—I would go as far as to say I was—I was pretty bored for about the first hour. I mean, England were on top. They had a couple of half chances in the first half. They had—they hit the post in the second half. There was a massive stramash that they probably should have done better with in the second half. I mean, England were on top, but ultimately it was a kind of attritional battle that Scotland were doing okay from a defensive point of view in terms of they were keeping England at, at arm's length, but in terms of being able to, to kind of get at England and, and create their own chances, other than uh, an Andy Robertson, a good, uh, well, a half-decent Andy Robertson chance in the first half, because they've done that thing where it's like, right, hit it! But then he takes an, an extra chance, which then somehow makes him unbalanced, and then that flies off targets in fury, and he does it, he does it quite a bit. Uh, I mean, that was as good as it got. And then as soon as they went a goal down, uh, you think, well, well, that's it. And it wasn't. <sighs> I mean, I actually thought that Craig Gordon was at fault for both goals. He but was. That first one. It was. There's one of those ones. You know, like Gordon has this thing where every now and again he will he will make himself smaller. Uh, he, I mean, the, 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 the shot was essentially right at him, but he makes himself, he kind of crouches and then it goes through him and you think at that point right well you know something that's that, that'll be that that'll be that then uh, very unedifying in public for Scotland to be conceding goals to Alex Oxley Chamberlain as well aye and, and do you know something that's the thing I, I was looking through this England team was not a great England team sure not it's, it's definitely like the it's, it's sort of like you can see that it's going to be a changeover basically mm-hmm. at that point I mean it goes into the World Cup in Russia which they do pretty well in I mean they get the jammy draw of course which has been the, sort of the whole point in their, their uprising in the last couple of tournaments like pure luck of draw but um, they, in this one it's like there's just such a changeover you know that Adam Alana is going to be finishing Jake yep. Livermore in central midfield. That blew my socks off. I, I, uh, I think it was him that had the post. Rubbish. He did that. Well, I, I took a deflection uh, yeah. of the post. I've got some interesting Jake Livermore stuff for later, but you can carry on, Sean. Who was the, the centre-half that played for him that used to play for Maidstone? That wasn't very good. It's Chris Smalling. Yes. I mean, the, the, I mean, as much as people say, oh, my goodness, a, a fantastic story to go from Maidstone to, to England... But the thing is, ultimately, the longer he played at the top end, the more people realised how he managed to play for Maidstone. Although he is, <laughs> he is now at Roma. And he's doing very well, apparently. apparently. Well, that shows you what I know. <clears throat> he's, he, has, he plays every week <laughs> under Jose Mourinho now. He won, won the, the, the good old Conference League. Uh, last season, but he didn't. He, but, was, he, not, he didn't make the England squad again here, and it's not like they've got a ri- uh, rich tapestry of um, centre halves, do they? And, to, to set the scene a little bit more, obviously this was part of um, the qualifying group for World Cup 2018. It's probably fair to say that Scotland were in a little bit of a, a three-way tussle uh, with Slovakia and Slovenia, and it looked a little bit lost. Um, 
before this game, I think Scotland fans were probably looking at this game and hoping to get something from it, but realistically looking at it and thinking that only a win would really give Scotland the the boost it would need uh, to go there. And obviously we, we actually came incredibly so, heartbreakingly close to it. I mean, I, I, so I've spoke previously about the, I think it was the Euro 2016 campaign that was so frustrating in that at the halfway point we went to Ireland and then seemed to just kind of panic a wee bit and then kind of go in the back foot and then we never really recovered. There seemed to be a hangover going into this campaign uh, from 2016 to 2018 because we never started this campaign at all and so we ended up being equal on points with Slovakia. So Slovakia finished second, mm. we were third on goal difference. However, there was there was essentially three games that kind of done us. So we we drew at home with Lithuania, which mm-hmm. might have been our second or third game, which I was second at. Second game after furious. Malta. Absolutely furious. James MacArthur scored about eight and ninth minute. Furious. Yep. Uh, we contrived to throw this away in the ninety third minute. But then still, despite all of that, we actually done reasonably well against everybody else. And going into the last game, we still had a chance away uh, to Slovenia. Slovenia. Uh, but then if we'd won that, we would have ended up finishing second. We would have gone into the playoffs. However, what I would say is the playoffs were seeded and we would have ended up against somebody. So the four seeded teams were Switzerland, Italy, Croatia and, and Denmark. And Denmark, which I don't get me wrong, we gave ourselves a we gave us we would have given ourselves a shot. Did I, did I fancy us to beat any of them? No, uh, but regardless, it was frustrating. And and although people say, "Well, this was the game. This was the game that, that cost us." I mean, Lithuania at home cost us as much. Slovenia's way cost us as much. But yeah. this this felt worse because of the nature of the game. Like you go two one up against England in the ninetieth minute. My goodness, just fucking hold on. With two with two free kicks, you mean the amount of work that's to you've it's like an unheard of way of getting ahead, really, as well. It's very rare that someone just bangs in two free kicks. So you've already got sort of like this huge unique moment that's gonna give you the three points and for you to chuck it away is just well, it's absolutely criminal. And I mean Monsieur Armstrong, uh, now that you think about it, that pass that he made again for Shea Adams against Denmark I'm surprised he never got PTSD and just sort of smashed that out of the stadium rather <laughs> 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 to make the pass but just go left like see when he's in position go left like I think we have like a three on one go left but he, he decides to go right and then like he, 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 he doesn't get enough on it or, or whatever he does fucking go left like when we literally had like a three on one or, or do whatever you want but don't Fucking do that. Yes. I mean, Sean, I, I was playing five aside last night. We were one up with one minute to go, and I smashed the ball into the ceiling. I and that's think. a game of fives at the local mm-hmm. school. If Stuart Armstrong is. Yeah, but just guarding, so, there's no Gary had no idea about the stage of the game or anything. He just smashed the ball into the ceiling. In fairness, I think that's a terrible comparison, Gary. Like, I, I think. <laughs> The, the way Stuart Armstrong's uh, footballing mind works, he does think to himself, I, I probably have some options here. What will I do? Or will I just blitter it into the sky? Well, it would have worked a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but basically, in that moment, if Gary was on the pitch for Stuart Armstrong, <laughs> we'd be talking about a famous victory. And it's as simple as if that. Gary were on the park, we'd have lost 15 2. I like how you still think we get those free kicks. That one where he fucking slips and falls and just gives us a free kick. Uh, that would still have happened. Is that, no, 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 that's that, a free kick. That still would have happened. That still would have happened if Gary was playing. Chris <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smalling still would have panicked in the 90th minute. Even though, even though they were winning 14 <laughs> 1. Just sheer chaos factor. What are they doing bringing uh, this guy on? That's your Gary well, brings in the two free kicks. <laughs> <laughs> What I would say, what I would say, so genuinely, it is the, it is my favourite moment in terms of being at a game ever. Mm-hmm. I've I've never experienced anything like it. Uh, the Caldwell's goal against France came close. The celebrations at full time came close, but in terms of uh, a in moment. terms of literally just losing your head and like like literally, I just, so, so I was kind of. I was quite near the front, 
uh, I was to the right of Lee Griffiths when he was lining up the the kind of free kick. I was about three or four seats to the end of the row. We'd went Doolally when he'd equalised. When he placed the ball or when we, we got the second free kick, there was a, a genuine belief I will, he's going to score this. Now, this is just because we're on a high. I, I get that. We're hyper on a high. Uh, and then when he when he does it again, like loads of people just started sprinting down the stairs. And I was like, no, I, I think I'm a reasonably rational, rational person who who knows the difference between right and wrong. But I decided I am going to sprint down these stairs as well because these people must be sprinting to a place that is much better. So I followed them. And it, I don't know how to explain it. It looks like an area where... So there was nobody in this area. But basically, like at Hamden, there's a kind of black fence that kind of juts out. I, I don't know if it's maybe like a position for maybe like wheelchairs, for example. But there was no... There was nobody there. Just, <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no, no it was an empty area that kind of that kind of jutted out, so it got kind of got filled with about a hundred Scotland fans, and we were just kind of gesticulating towards the the England fans. But but bear in mind, this was it wasn't a million miles away from when Hibs fans ran in the park for the cup final. Yeah. So a load of police ran over, and I remember like a load of them kind of got their truncheons out. And they were they were screaming at us to <laughs> they were screaming at us <laughs> to go and sit down, but they looked terrified. And I don't know if they thought we were going to run apart. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. But there is a I I've got this picture somewhere on Twitter, and Lee Griffiths is running away. So he, he's ran behind the goals, and he's ran towards the fans to celebrate. And somebody has taken a picture from quite high in the stand that he is running towards. And you could see in the distance, literally the kind of opposite area of Hamden, there is a kind of cordon of yellow jackets. And it's the police who seem to be entirely worried about the fact that there's about 100 Scotland fans, like, just doing an impromptu mosh pit uh, in this, this, this kind of barren uh, area of Hamden. But I, I can honestly say I have never, I've never experienced a celebration like it. I have never celebrated... Uh, anything like it and there's a like if you listen to I think it's Sky's commentary yeah, like, yeah, yeah I watched that yeah certainly kind of Gary Neville and I, I forget the main guy but they're Martin saying Martin Tyler is it not? yes yeah, you're right it's Martin Tyler they're, they've never experienced anything like it and they're, they're right it's it's incredible the scenes um, that when, when the camera pans out and Gary Neville says I've not seen a celebration like this in a football stadium for a long long time it is Absolute chaos. There is bodies. <laughs> I suppose I'm told to, like, um, I'm forced to use the term limbs now, uh, but they are going everywhere, and it does look like so spectacular. You don't get this is the thing that you don't get in any other sport, and this is a, yeah. the, the magical thing is that moment where you will never see in any other sport people behaving like that in a stand, like uh, a stand that looks like that. You, you just don't see it anywhere else, and it's fucking. It looks magical. Yeah. I I screamed and screamed and screamed <laughs> and screamed I. and screamed <laughs> and then like, I realised I'm miles away from my seat and my pals so I go back to my seat and then I realised I, I can't even <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes it was 2-2 yeah. uh, but I it was uh, I was an, an extraordinary extraordinary moment and I know like I know like the SFA done the video when it was like like send us videos of you celebrating Lee Griffiths the second goal and I know like after the event, it kind of felt a bit. What's the point? Like we never got the win. But you know something? I'd, 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 after the event, it's like, right, okay. So the, the kind of two-two is is the main thing. However, as a as a as a moment, that was fucking brilliant. Uh, uh, so I can understand why they had the videos about how what a, a kind of special moment in time that was because it was honestly it was fucking brilliant. And it is probably also the high point in Lee Griffith's career as well. And I think that even, um, notwithstanding Lee Griffiths being Lee Griffiths, I think if you've been told in just over five years' time, he'll be going from this moment to playing a couple of games for an Australian, yeah. the, uh, the equivalent <laughs> of an Australian junior side, and training with, I forget if it's Livy or it's Morton, he's a, I think he's training with Livy. He's strong like Morton just now. Yeah. Uh, it's just an incredible... 
are incredibly rapid decline. I know that the five decline, years the decline seemed to happen from this almost. Like it was like he hit this peak and it, and he, it's almost like he trampolined off it down, down the way. Yeah, uh, it like almost seemed to be like instantly from this this moment he sort of lost his place, lost his way, and 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 both on the pitch and and off the pitch. And it's I have there's probably never been a more rapid decline of a player. Uh, uh, if you can think of a more rapid decline, listeners, I would, um, get in I would touch. have to go. I would have to go back and look at his his career goals because somebody put them up recently, and it's been a long, a long, long time since he had a, an actual season where he was where he had decent figures. Now it might have been. Uh, don't get me wrong. It might have been that one. Maybe maybe he was having a good a good season uh, club wise. But you're you're going back a good five or six. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seven years. Celtic, where he scored, I think he scored 31 season around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be it. And then obviously, Hibs, he scored a barrel load in the mm-hmm. in the league. And, and I think he was maybe top goal scorer in the league along with Louis Moult, possibly. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 the, the decline was frightening. It's the curse of being a Hibs striker. Eh? They're, all their careers seem to end around 28, 29, O'Connor, Riordan. Uh, Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths actually lasted long. Go, go by, <laughs> go by that course. Uh, Lee Griffiths done really well for himself. <laughs> so Hibs years are like dog years then, <laughs> when it comes to strikers, pretty much. And and certainly for what, and certainly for fans as well. I'll be dead by the time I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you corpse us, Tony. Before you leave us. <laughs> before you shuffle off this mortal coil, um, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be a Scotland game without you um, taking us into Scandal Coroner. Um, I do ask you to bear in mind that. I think everybody in this game is alive and very wealthy. So, um, just yeah. give so us a little care. flavour. They won't listen. Uh, and yeah, we've done some of them. We've done before, like Kyle Walker. We managed to do that one about him just getting the prostitutes over during uh, during lockdown, <laughs> which, is a, which is an absolute beauty. I don't. I don't think I need to see. Allegedly, I think he got fined for it. Um, I'm sure he did. <laughs> but we so we'll not go back at that one. I don't want to, to cover old bloody ground. Uh, but the the best one that I was finding was it's quite a, there's a, a mix of sadness in this one. It was uh, Jake Livermore. As I said he really stood out as a player just when I looked at the at the team and where was that and um, he went through so much in, in in such a short period. I mean he lost his and he lost his son and then he ne- he never really played for a year and then he got. He failed a drugs test for for cocaine, but due to the circumstances of how it had happened, he, he, he they actually let him off uh, with with the positive test, and he and he wasn't given a banning order because it was a year after his son had died, and I think he went through a, a, a lot of turmoil as you as you would. But then there was an added part to this that I was blown away by is just Jake Livermore says fraudster convicted over forty five million VAT scam saved him following the death of his son. So this is him going into a courtroom and sort of defending and, and doing a character witness positively on a fraudster who sort of frauded £45 million for the government because he looked out for him and, and helped him after his, his son died. So he was talking positively about it. The guy still went down and it was definitely him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just like, just like where that, that just where it grew... Arms and legs from it. Um, so he wrote. He, he wrote to the judge to praise Joshua Cope, who he said helped him when his child died the day after he played for Hull in the 2014 FA Cup final. Uh, he helped him set up a charity in his son's name and supported him with frequent phone calls as he struggled to cope with his grief. Um, and then it start. You start. The, the always running through my head is like maybe this guy had really nefarious reasons for it. <laughs> for helping you to, to create a charity but um, that's not for me to say of course uh, and he, he protected them and then he, he done that and so I found that just quite that, that story from, from his son dying which is so sad and where that grew into uh, caught, caught me off guard when I, when, I, when, I, when I started typing my usual player name scandal after which is what I do to prepare for these parts every single time <laughs> I, uh, I presume you're going to talk about Lee Griffiths and an energy drink uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we had that. That was sort of like right when I started doing the podcast, which is similarly around the time we started doing these top 50s. <laughs> uh, it must have been God. God. I'm so old now. It's mental. I think that I started doing this pod and I met Joel maybe about 
12 years ago now, <laughs> 10, 12 years ago, uh, we started doing this with, 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 when I first started doing it with Joel and Fowler, but yeah, a, a friend of mine phoned me from Tesco Christophan to tell me that Lee Griffiths had been huckled for, um, <laughs> for stealing the Lucas aid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, off the off the shelves for no reason apart from that he wanted to obviously, uh, and um, I told Fowler, and then he was able to use that as a tweet, and maybe I'll start telling Fowler that I'm the reason that he's without that he would never have grown, would never, <laughs> and you would never have got a TV show if it wasn't with, for with the Stealing the tiny with with tiny acorns, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the tiny flap of Lee. Griffith's <laughs> butterfly wings. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then Lee for the League of the thing that's still in the book is aid is it now just seems like a, a warm, cuddly thing compared to what Lee Griffiths has done. <laughs> Since even though Lee Griffiths is such a strange character, I mean so the, the positive stuff he's like they, he, he sorted out these heart young hearts fans Christmas, bought them ball Playstations and stuff because they got all their stuff stolen and he stepped in, he just saw it online and he, and he bought all these hearts young hearts fans gifts so uh, a really complex guy by the by the by all accounts and um hopefully he'll um stop being weird and recover <laughs> <laughs> and so's the all of us Caesar's greetings <laughs> Merry ho, ho, ho. Christmas to everyone <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I mean, good luck, Lee Please recover. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he'll be putting in one of those free kicks for Greenock Morton <laughs> against his former employers in the Scottish <laughs> Cup, just to bring things back around to where I mean, we began. Just be so spot. funny. It's so funny if he gets signed again because it's always the, obviously the temptation is if we could just get him fit. But the, the size he was playing for Hibs in the the, the Saucy game that Saucy never turned up for. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of charity match that he was just playing in there. It's going to take at least three months to get him anywhere near fit, and then the season's over. So I just stop the dreaming, Peter uh, <laughs> Morton. Uh, please, please learn from I, others' mistakes. I, I, I don't think Greening Morton are dreaming. I think Lee Griffiths might be dreaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but good luck to him, and thanks for those goals. They were a good laugh, and they gave Sean his favourite moment in football history. Oh, honestly, brilliant! Thank you, Lee. <laughs> I bet you never thought you'd say that. Yeah. Uh, and thank you Thumbs as well, dear me, listeners, yeah. for, for, I see what you did there, Tony. Um, <laughs> thank you, dear <laughs> listeners, for, for sticking with us through this hour, and you'll be very pleased to know that the next time we do one of these Scotland games, it will be the final one. And then, just like painting the fourth uh, rail bridge, we'll have to start it's all over again, again um, because there's been about 312 Scotland games <laughs> uh, since we actually compiled this list. <laughs> like, uh, that'll be like, you know, like we, we go for hospitality once a year to get everyone together and all that. I think we, I, I might need to take time off work when this is finally over and we all get together <laughs> and have a big party that this top 50 is finally, finally done. <laughs> uh, um, unless we find some sort of mistake and realise we've only done 47. Uh, just be absolutely furious. Nah, see even if we discover that mistake, <laughs> let's just ignore it. <laughs> Nobody else fucking cares, so I can tell you that for free. <laughs> well, let's just if you know we skipped over 23 yeah, to 16. Yeah, yeah, every time it comes up, after the next 45th, fuck this. <laughs> Plus 15 seconds, about 20 times on their, uh, on their Spotify. Uh. <laughs> uh, as soon as we mention the top 50 list, they're going, yeah, yeah. fuck off, listen to, listen to Broomhill. There'll be some <laughs> freak who Spotify wrapped as the Scottish, Scottish memorable top <laughs> 50 games. Yeah. <laughs> One back, million minutes spent <laughs> listening to the top 50 Scottish games. <laughs> right. Oh dear. Right, L let's leave it there, folks. Um, so... Thanks for listening. Uh, if you do happen to support a team like me or Sean that is too shit to be in the Premiership, enjoy your football this weekend. If not, enjoy the World Cup while it lasts. And we will all speak to you very soon. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.